Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hey, Christine, how are you doing? Hey, gorgeous. I'm good. <laughs> I, I, I do have to say that there are um, a couple of other strong conservative voices. For example, um, my friend Farah Jimenez, who's always brilliant, and my friend Allison Young, who's always brilliant, nice. and Liz Preade Havy. But, yeah, we, we are kind of like the four at the Alamo. <laughs> it's like holding down the fort, you know, in the city of Philadelphia. Yes. Um, and, by the way, I'm I'm... You know, I'm just so glad that the Pennsylvania legislature focused on the most important thing that they really needed to address, um, you know, not about school safety or curriculums or anti-Semitism or anything. They actually passed a resolution <laughs> acknowledging that 2023 was the Taylor yeah. Swift era's tour or the <laughs> era's year. And I'm just so proud of the, you know, and the majority Democrat. Yes. <laughs> I'm just so proud that they focused on this incredibly important fundamental uh, issue. <sighs> anyway. Well, and that was, you know, and there were some Democrats, too, who said, and, and to your point, Christine, I think they just, it's not that they're against Taylor Swift. I just think they thought with everything going on, it seemed kind of silly. Yeah. You yeah. know? My friend Russ Diamond had a really great, I saw him, uh, on Instagram. He, he had filmed his, uh, address to the legislature and he, he himself had actually handled contracts for a very young tween, um, Taylor Swift when she was 12, 13, 14, you know, out of Berks County. And he loves her and he's proud of her. And I think all Pennsylvanians are proud that she is a, you know, she is from Pennsylvania. She's from Berks County. But seriously, he was yeah. even saying, he said, we have other things to worry about here. This is just window dressing and feel good stuff. And so it's, it's, it's really, it's just, I think it's emblematic of the legislature right now that they're focusing, at least a ha half of them are focusing on inanities and things that don't make any difference to the, the lives of regular Pennsylvanians. Yeah. Amen. So you talk, speaking of more serious issues, you know, you have written fairly recently about the Me, Me Too movement and how they are silenced on Hamas and I you know we had I had reported on the fact that we're learning more about the the treatment how even some of the um Israeli some of those victims the women how they were you know brutally murdered and even mutilated and tortured and particularly the target was on their female parts how some you know were raped whether or not they survived it it's horrific 
And you think of this going on, Christine, where is the Me Too movement? It's, it's unbelievable. Well, you know, Dawn, the, I, I was never, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound hypocritical here because I was never a fan of the Me Too movement. The reason that I was not a fan of the Me Too movement was because I think that it tended to trivialize um, true abuse, true, true domestic and um, uh, female-targeted abuse, femicide, um, rape. The the women, if you noticed that the the vast majority of the women who became the faces of the Me Too movement were fairly affluent, fairly um, well-known, uh, educated women, um, many of them white, but some of them women of color as well, who had access to PR and who just were... I think trivializing what was happening to the woman who's being beaten by her common law husband or the child who's being raped by, you know, uh, a relative or the, um, the woman who, who literally works a, um, uh, you gets minimum wage at uh, a fast food restaurant and is being propositioned by her boss mm-hmm. and, you know, she can't, put food on the table for her kids if she loses this job and so she has to deal with this. These are the real victims of abuse, of domestic and of feminine targeted abuse. Not the, you know, the, the Hollywood actress who's upset because Harvey Weinstein, piggish that he was, um, demanded sexual favors to put her in one of his films. You know, not the, the women who went willingly to someone's hotel room and you know, well, people can have different views of Bill Cosby and what have you. But a lot of the focus of the Me Too movement was on people who really didn't suffer the level of abuse that we see on a regular basis, that I see in my immigration practice with women who have been mm-hmm. um, victims of persecution, that we see, obviously, we saw with Hamas. And so um, what angered me was that the the very low bar of the um of Hamas meaning that there is no question that what they did was a war crime an attempted genocide in and of itself under the UN under UN resolution i think it's 1802 um so horrific were those crimes it was the lowest of low bars dawn that you would think that someone like a Gloria Allred or a Meryl Streep you know, she can put aside her Oscars for a few moments and, you know, raise her hands in solidarity with the women of Israel um, or, you know, whoever else, Salma Hayek, the the, 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 the people who were accusing um, um, Matt, whatever his name was, I forget, the local, he used to be the local guy, uh, you know, the one on the Today Show. Um, all, Matt Lauer. All, Matt Lauer, thank you. Um, all of these people, you would think that they would come out and say something about the women who had been raped. And instead, instead, you know what I saw? I saw a lot of people on social media either saying, well, yeah, that's bad, but look at what Israel, look at what the IDF soldiers are doing to Palestinian women with very little evidence that 
IDF soldiers are going out and raping uh, Palestinian women indiscriminately. And or they're saying, which is much, much worse, they're saying, oh, well, we don't have evidence of this. There's no actual documented evidence when the evidence is from the women's mouths, from the hostages who were released at the meeting with Netanyahu and in other media sites. And people are basically saying, well, you know, I don't know if we should believe all women, maybe, maybe, you know, just some of the women that help advance our political agenda. So, yeah, I'm I'm really angry, really angry about that. Yeah, it's it is unbelievable, the hypocrisy. And it just shows you uh, to me, I think that it deflates. And and to your point, Christine, unfortunately, it, it deflates the the good piece of how the Me Too movement, you know, started. And right. and there was a good part of that at some point <laughs> that was just to say, you know, people need to speak out about this, not just women, but but everybody right. and stand up for even your coworker. Absolutely. And, and I've talked about the fact that I was really blessed in my career most of the time because most of my bosses happened to be uh, guys who viewed me as a daughter and they were dads of daughters. And so mm-hmm. they saw any whiff of anything. They just shut it down. Yeah. And, yeah. and they were wonderful bosses and managers. And we don't say those, those things out loud enough to say that there's a reason that some workplaces were, were great workplaces. It really comes down to really one manager can make that difference, whether it's a man or a woman. In my case, most of them were, were just men who had, uh, the one, and I still keep t- in touch with two of my former bosses. They, but they're both dads of three daughters. <laughs> you know, yeah, and so yeah. they were fantastic. And by the way, it's good for business, you know, because you have a happy yeah. workforce and, and all that good stuff. You can focus on what you need to do to make sure that you're productive. Yeah. And, and you make such a, a great point there that the the majority, I don't want to say the vast majority, but I would say an overwhelming majority of men in the workforce are good people. They are people who are respectful of women. Um, I can honestly state that in 40 years of practicing law, I mean, I graduated from Villanova, not quite 40 years, 35 years. I graduated from Villanova Law in 1987. In, in 35 years, I have never once felt that I was being harassed, that I was being abused, mistreated. Yeah, I mean, you get the off-color joke. You you get the, the, the little bit of the wink, the inappropriate comment. But that's, you know, in a 35-year in a career, I have to say that uh, maybe I've been blessed, but I don't think so. I think that those piggish individuals who take advantage of the sort of the the differential, the power dynamic, um, are the exception and not the rule. And that's another problem with the Me Too Mm -hmm. movement because it painted everyone with such a broad brush. It made women victims and it made men victimizers. And I mean, there were female victimizers and there were male victims as well. And a lot of those things don't, don't get well fleshed out. And so, but it, and I agree with you that the Me Too movement was was good because there obviously there have been situations of abuse, mm-hmm. particularly from the old Mad Men era. You know, the <laughs> women were mistreated. It's not it, it's not a lie, but I think the Me Too movement was that on steroids and um, seeing 
demons in the shadows that didn't really exist. And every small incident was raised to the level of, oh, my God, you know, somebody uh, somebody said I looked pretty today. Uh, this was a uh, sexual assault. Uh, this, 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 I was not able to continue working that day because someone was objectifying me by telling me they liked my dress. Yes. It's like, come on, grow up, ladies, grow yeah. up. Objectifying. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I will say to you, being in television, I think, I, I, you know, I can't even label all the times because there were so many times, um, but I think uh, different professions, so you, you're an attorney, so different offices, different professions mm-hmm. lend themselves. Certainly, you think of Harvey Weinstein and oh, yeah. what he did, sicko perv, um, and you think of the Today Show, you mentioned that culture, but I think... TV, TV news and sets, those kinds of places, unfortunately, would, would, you know, did lend themselves to that kind of treatment. And I'm glad that's all out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have to laugh when you, when you say that, too, because, I mean, you, 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 you are a star and you're I'll a legend stop. in this city. No, no, no. It, I mean, I'm not saying that to, to pat you on the head or, you know, make you have me on again. It's, it's obvious. Everybody loves you. By the way, I, I, uh, I texted Anthony. I told him that a former flyer who is a friend of mine wa- listens to you regularly and Aww. is a huge, huge fan. So Thank anyway, um, but you know, that, that aside, I have to laugh because I know how much appearance is important in, in television, and um, that's why I love radio, because every time I'm on Inside Story, and usually it was my mother, I would get these comments like, um, yeah, I saw the show. Your hair was in your eyes. No. Yeah, no, no. Your eyeliner was too heavy, Christine. I'm like, did you hear anything I said, Mom? Yes. Like, no. and so, so, yeah, there's there's always a hyper-focus on the way people look, but, uh, yeah. That's hysterical. <laughs> no, I think the funny, and it was an anchorman who, who's not in Philadelphia. This is before I worked in Philadelphia, paying dues. The funniest one was this very distinguished, if I said his name, but I'm not going to, but he said... Miss Stensland, have you ever seen a 52-year-old man naked? And that was like his. And I looked at him. And Christine, honest to gosh, I have such a great sense of humor. Like, I laugh. And I yeah. thought he was joking. And I just had this belly laugh. I laughed so hard. And he kind of looked dejected because he was. And so there were other some other coworkers back in the cubicle who, like, heard me in the newsroom. And they were like, that was the best comeback. And I said, what do you mean? But I really just have a sense of humor. So I just, half the time, I think I didn't realize that people were actually being serious. I thought they were kidding. That was a, that was a, a come on. Yeah. You mean you, were, you, weren't, you weren't just running towards this, this uh, Casanova? God. It was the best. But they still, you know, I have friends, former colleagues who still tease me about some of those. Cause, but I do think, I do think sometimes it's better to have that sense of just laugh thing, laugh oh, yeah. at things. Because yeah. it kind of diffuses instead of going, uh, excuse me, are you triggering me? You know what I mean? I just think it's better to laugh. I think, I think women of, <laughs> excuse me, of, of our generation have that ability 
ability to do to diffuse the situation in that way because maybe it is because of of training and, and past experience and I think one of the problems is now and I don't mean to be always down on you know Gen Z and millennials because there's some really great members of of those generations some of whom I I know personally and and love dearly but I think that there's this over overall overarching sense right now of everyone takes themselves so seriously and they're you know it's all about my rights and you must respect me and (laughs) and you know you must when you have to demand respect there's a problem there you earn respect simply by the way you conduct yourself and if you have to say respect me there's something wrong with that so i think you know if you laugh a little, giggle a little, you diffuse the situation, you make the other person who, who may have made the untoward comment, um, you, you, you maybe turn them into a friend and ally by not embarrassing mm-hmm. them and, and not, you know, pointing a finger at them. So, yeah, how to, how to win friends and what is it? What is it? <laughs> what was that thing? How to win friends and something, something. Yeah. Influence. I, influence people. What you you know what you made me think of though? I I credit my big brother John. He's two and a half years older than me. Christine, call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as thirty minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have forty seven new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. And I always say about my brother, like, this is my brother. When I was eight... And we were, it was the summertime. He said, hey, put these tube socks, like where breasts would be. And he took a Polaroid. And then he threatened to blackmail me, like, and, you know, give it, show it to everybody unless I would clean his room. That's my brother, John. So I always say, because he's such a jokester. And so yeah. he really taught me. I always say nobody could actually sexually harass me because my brother, you know, has been doing yeah. this crazy stuff since I was, since I was eight. So I do think your siblings can sometimes, even though sometimes they do things that others would view as horrible, they kind of prepare you for a brutal wor- world and a brutal workplace. I, I, absolutely. <laughs> I grew up with three younger brothers, but yeah, so for the, the same reasons. Absolutely. And by the way, do you have the original of that um, that Polaroid so I that w- you can't be blackmailed today? I, don't. I, I think I somehow confiscated it and cut it up in a million pieces but at this point i kind of wish i i kind of wish i had it actually yeah. i know memories no it's it's true i think if you you grow up in a family 
where you have that dynamic between, you know, there are boys and girls. And I mean, even if you just have, have all boys or all girls, mm-hmm. when y- you learn how to deal with other people. And I, listen, I, I used to, I was very upset. My, my baby brother was born um, on Christmas Day. I had just turned four three weeks before. My mother went into labor Christmas morning. And there are many pictures of me at my grandparents' house that morning looking dejected because Aww. I had open up my presence and then my mother was you know spirited off to the hospital and I'm like what, what's going on what's happening over here and it's like oh mommy's going to bring you back another present I'm like I don't want that one I want to you know stay with my my house but I look at that and I think that was the day that I got the best present I was ever given Aww. by anyone and that was a sibling because I Although I know some people who are only children and they're very happy being that, I can't imagine not having grown up with siblings. They, I don't know, I still have them and they they made me who I am. Um, They give you a sense of your own personal little village and community. So, yeah. Before we go, I wanted to ask your take because you are an immigration attorney, Christine Flowers. City Mm -hmm. Council Philadelphia vote expected to vote today on these medical deportation issues um just your take on that as somebody who this is your wheelhouse as an attorney um uh, can you you know what i'm a little bit embarrassed to say that i'm not sure um are, are you talking about the situation where if someone is is ill but undocumented here that they get some kind of protection against deportation yes. or i should have set it up better um philadelphia city council they're, what they're trying to do with this, the measure that was intro, has been introduced and they've been talking about it, they, they're saying that no hospital in Philadelphia may engage in what they call medical deportation, either directly or through a designated age, agent. In other words, somebody goes to a local facility, a hospital, and let's say they're even in a coma or they're very sick. Mm-hmm. then they're allowed, I guess this has been happening nationwide. I don't know that there are, there are multiple incidents of this actually happening here, but apparently that medical facility would have the right to then, if somebody's an undocumented immigrant, illegal citizen, however you want to word it, that they could ship them back to their home country to and contact them. And what city council is saying is we are a sanctuary city, if somebody's in a hospital here and they're undocumented, that they should get the treatment here, obviously for free, and get the treatment here and continue with the ongoing care. Well, first of all, that it it it's not uh, a phenomenon. <laughs> excuse me, nationwide. I think uh, you know. I, I think the this proposal by city council is a, is a little bit of um, just sort of virtue signaling. Uh, to be quite honest, I think they're they're trying to legislate against. Um, a problem that's really not a huge problem that's happening. Um, most, and I, I have seen situations like this where you have an undocumented immigrant who has been, um, who, who is in the hospital and who is seriously ill. Very, very rarely are they ever denied any kind of treatment and much less um, have they been transferred into ICE custody for transportation, particularly since um, ICE is not qualified or equipped to be able to transport people who are seriously ill. That so rarely happens. In terms of whether or not city council should be doing this, um, yet again, immigration is a federal issue. This is 
you know, if, if ICE came in and wanted to take the person, and I can tell you that the people in Philadelphia at ICE are compassionate individuals, okay? They're not stormtroopers, and they're not going to go into hospitals and try and pick mm-hmm. up people who are deathly ill. But in the event that they did do that, I don't see how a city council resolution would be able to stop them from doing that because we're a municipality, and, you know, the Supremacy Clause basically says that where the federal government has jurisdiction, which is in these issues for immigration, the local offices really don't have um, the power to do that. But again, Dawn, it's mm-hmm. so rare that that would happen. And most medical facilities will not even consider anything like that. Yeah. If someone is in a coma, if someone is dying of cancer, and, and it kind of angers me that city council is doing this. It seems like they're kind of... It, again, it's virtue signaling and it's it's pointing fingers and making it seem like, oh, this is happening all the time and these poor people are being deported. It's not. It's not. So why even? It's, it's like the Taylor Swift thing. Why are we focusing on these things that aren't really happening and, you know, yeah. focus on the things that we need to do? Yes. <laughs> anyway. So true. Let's well, just shake it off, Dawn, right? Shake, shake it, it off. off. Just like Taylor Swift era's day. Happy right, 34th right. Taylor Swift. All right, Christine Flowers, until next time, thank you so much for joining joining me this morning. All right, darling, take care. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 